Welcome to the Rough Places into Level Ground podcast, where we'll be studying various scriptures and their application to our lives. And as we come to God's Word, He promises to lead us in ways we do not know, in paths that we have not known, and to turn our darkness into light and rough places into level ground. Welcome to today's study. I'm Jackie Burns, and I'll be your host. Have you ever thought about prayer? I mean, why does it matter? After all, God already knows what we're thinking before we think it, let alone speak it. So why do we really pray? Is it to ask for things as if God is a genie in a bottle? Is it to change God's mind about things? What do we get from prayer? Well, as we delve into the first chapter of the book of Nehemiah, we'll look at what God tells us through his servant Nehemiah about prayer and why it's so important. Welcome to today's study on prayer and Nehemiah chapter 1. You know, we are so very blessed that our God has not given us a Bible that contains just do's and do nots. But he places his word within the context of real people and their day-to-day lives so that we can relate to them and take comfort from and learn from them. Within the story of Nehemiah and the person of Nehemiah is yet another example of our God reaching to us with the beauty, wisdom, and guidance of his word for our lives. The book of Nehemiah takes place in the 5th century BC. The Jews have been in exile in Babylon after being taken captive by the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar. During this time, the Babylonian Empire would fall to the Persians, and the Persians would become the new world power. When the Persians came into power, King Cyrus had allowed any Jews who wanted to return to Judah and Jerusalem the ability to do so. Now, Jerusalem's temple and walls, as well as the city, had been destroyed by the Babylonians. The original captives and now their children, a new generation, had now grown accustomed to a very good life in Babylon. And only about 50,000 chose to return out of the millions that were there. Those that returned joined those that had been left behind by the Babylonians as they were thought to either be too old or sick or in some way not able to be of service to the Babylonians. As we begin this chapter in Nehemiah, we find that while those that first returned did rebuild the temple, the city and its walls were still in ruins. So before we begin our study, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for this time to study your word. We pray your guidance upon our study and wisdom to lead us deeper into what it means to pray and to deepen our conversation with you, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's begin by reading the first three verses of Nehemiah chapter 1. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. Now it happened in the month of Kislev, in the twentieth year, as I was in Susa the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped who had survived the exile, 
and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, The remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. We are given a tremendous amount of information just within these first three verses. To begin, the name Nehemiah is a Jewish name, and it means God comforts. His father's name, Hakaliah, means who waits for the Lord. And we know that biblical names carry meaning and are not given lightly. So right away, we are told based on the names that Nehemiah and his father maintained following the Lord, despite being surrounded by non-believers who worshipped idols. We are told that the month is Kislev, which will become significant in terms of the length of time that Nehemiah actually prayed. We know Nehemiah is in Susa, which is the winter home of the king's palace. So here is Nehemiah in the comfort of the winter palace, When these men come to him from Judah, its capital city being Jerusalem, and we see that Nehemiah is concerned for the Jews living there, and he asks about them. And he is told, based on the strength of these Hebrew words that were used, that the people were in a situation detrimental to life and living in shame and disgrace, with the walls of the city, Jerusalem, and its gates destroyed. Now we need to pause here and understand the significance of the walls around Jerusalem. First of all, Jerusalem is God's holy city. And in ancient times, the wall around a city signified the strength of the people living there and was their source of protection and distinction from all around them. The wall around God's city also signified the strength of their God. So Nehemiah finds out that the remnant of God's people that returned and the strength of God represented by the wall was still in ruins 150 years after the city of Jerusalem had been destroyed. So while the Jews had been allowed to return and rebuild their temple, the walls and gates surrounding Jerusalem were seen as a defense by the Persians and all the surrounding peoples. And since the city was now a part of the Persian Empire, the king would not permit the wall to be rebuilt. Now, Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the Persian king, Aritzerses. The Persians had a long history of winemaking, and the king utilized cupbearers to pour taste and ensure their wines were not poisoned. A cupbearer was a position of great trust, and it was given to young men of unquestionable integrity. Nehemiah was a Jew, and he was born in Babylon after the exile. He had never been to Jerusalem. And so at this point, we see that Nehemiah was a man who, despite being immersed in the Babylonian culture, And surrounded by a people that followed idols, Nehemiah knew his God, and that was the God that he worshipped. And we know despite his position and never having lived in Jerusalem, he had great concern for God's people, and he knew the significance of the city and its wall. 
We know Nehemiah is a man other men can trust. And we will see he's also a man God can trust. He is a man that works honorably in all he does. 1 Corinthians 10.31 tells us, Whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, do it all for the glory of God. The book of Nehemiah has much to tell us about prayer. Prayers are conversation with God. And like any conversation, the better we know who we're talking to, the more history we have with them, the degree to which we value them, and knowing who we are in the relationship will all affect the depth and degree and how meaningful our conversation will be and what we get out of it. Let's go on now to Nehemiah verse 4. And he said, As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. So Nehemiah wept and mourned for days, and his fasting signifying that his prayer was more important than his eating and bodily comfort, and he prayed before the God of heaven. God was working inside Nehemiah by placing this concern on his heart. Here was a man raised in Babylon who had never even been to Jerusalem. He was living a good life. He had a high and trusted position with the king. But nonetheless, a king that held life and death in his hands. A king that had outlawed the building of the wall. Yet Nehemiah's concern for his people and the honor of God was so strong that he prayed and wept and mourned. God had laid this concern upon his heart and would call him to act. You know, God calls all of us to not just pray for others, ourselves or situations, but to act. This is an important lesson in that Jesus tells us to follow him. And we can see that Jesus did not simply stay in heaven and pray for us. He came down to us. He walked with us. He helped carry our burdens. And we're called to do the same with each other. Yes, we're we're to pray and seek God's guidance and will. And we are also to walk with others in need and help carry their burdens as it is at all within our ability to do so. So it's not always enough to simply say to someone, we'll pray for you. Has there been a time in your life when you felt God was calling you to act, feeling as if God had laid a concern upon your heart, maybe a cause you felt so strongly about that you couldn't walk away from it? Did you possibly feel that it was so big that you could not possibly make a difference? or that the odds were against even your best efforts? All of this was true in Nehemiah's case, but we will see that Nehemiah knew just how big his God was, which helped put into perspective the problem he was facing. We will see that the first thing Nehemiah does is to go to God in prayer, knowing that by himself he couldn't fix this situation, and he had to wait on and trust his God. God does not always call those that are equipped to handle every concern that he places in their hearts, but God will always equip those he has called. This can be true for us as well, as we come to know the 
bigness of our God and trust if he has called us, he will, as he always does, provide all we need. Now notice that in verse 4 and then again in verse 5, it says, Nehemiah prayed before the God of heaven. This is significant as Nehemiah knew his God was the God of heaven. So despite living his whole life with and surrounded by people that worshipped gods and idols of their own making, little gods made on earth, and little gods confined to being only on earth, Nehemiah knew his God was the God of all, the God of heaven. Nehemiah knew his God. Nehemiah goes on in verse 5 to say, And I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Now Nehemiah's prayer begins with praise, praising God who is great and awesome. And he goes on to say who God is and what his character is. He is a God who keeps his covenants. He keeps his promises to his people and gives them love that is steadfast, love that never wavers, as we in turn love and obey God. This is important when we pray that we know who God is, who God is as he tells us in the Bible, and not who we make God out to be or think he is. It's important to know anyone we're in relationship with for who they really are and not who we want them to be or who we think they are. This is especially important as in prayer, as prayer is our conversation with God and what facilitates our ability to have deep conversation and relationship with anyone is knowing who they truly are. We are told God is covenant-keeping and steadfast in his love. And these are qualities Nehemiah praises and values. Our God tells us he will give us all he has promised and his steadfast love and asks in return that we love him and keep his commandments for us. And in God's steadfast love for us, when we make mistakes, when we turn away or fail to keep our promises to him, he is waiting for us to return and waiting to give us every blessing he has promised. Nehemiah prays because he understands Deuteronomy 4, 7, which says, For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him? So Nehemiah knew this, and we must know this today. Our Lord is near to us whenever we call upon him. Regardless of our circumstances, when we pray, we can take great comfort in knowing our God is near to us. In verses 6 and 7, Nehemiah continues in his prayer and asks God, Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. 
So first of all, this verse tells us that Nehemiah prayed day and night. We may wonder at this point how long he prayed before God answered. Well, we know in the opening verses that Nehemiah got the news of the people in Jerusalem in the month of Kislev. And if we jump ahead to chapter 2, it begins by telling us it was in the month of Nisan that Nehemiah would know that God was working. So the time between these months is about four months. So we know that Nehemiah continued to pray, continued to trust God to answer in God's time, which is always the right time. How long do we wait when we pray? How long do we continue to trust in God as we wait and do so sometimes with deep sorrow in our hearts? We can continue on with our lives and prayers just as Nehemiah did and trust that God is working and he and stand ready to watch for his answer and his call to us for action. This brings us to our next point in prayer, which is to know who we are in relation to God and come before him honestly. Nehemiah knows that even though he was not part of the people whose turning from God led to the exile, he knows that he too is a sinner and in need of God's mercy. Nehemiah knows that when we are honest with God, we will always find his compassion. Proverbs 28.13 tells us, Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. In 1 Corinthians 12.26, Paul tells us that we're all members of one another, and the actions of one affect the whole. So Nehemiah did not hold himself out as better than any of God's people. And this is true for us today. We are not one better than another, and none can throw stones. We all sin. We just sin differently before our God. While we are not always faithful to God, God is always faithful to us. Verses 8 and 9 begin with the word remember. And it's not that God needs to remember, but Nehemiah is remembering God's promises. He says, remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, Though your outcasts are in uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. So in the first part of God's promise, he told the Israelites if they turned from him, they would be scattered from their homeland. The second part was that if they returned to God and kept his commandments, God would gather them and bring them home. So it is the second part of the promise that Nehemiah is praying for and asking God to restore the people and their land in light of their repentance. So the basis of Nehemiah's prayer and ours is God's promises and trusting that no matter what, God keeps his promises. But it behooves us to know them and pray accordingly, understanding all God wants to give us as well as knowing that we turn from God, there are always consequences. Coming now to verse 10, he says, They are your servants and your people, 
whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. Within Nehemiah's prayer, he refers eight times to himself and all God's people as being servants of God. Again, he knows who he and who all people are in relation to God. And Nehemiah knows as a servant that he is to be submissive to God and totally dependent on God and God's strong power and hand, which always act in behalf of his people. As we trust and depend on and seek God's will for our lives, God cares for us. God will care for us. As the prayer concludes, Nehemiah knows he is dependent on God for any success. All of us are dependent on God for all we have and all we do. Nehemiah knows God hears our prayers and he totally trusts God's power, God's mercy, and God's timing. So to recap, prayers are conversation with God. The more we know his word, the deeper and more meaningful our conversation and prayer with God can and will be. The more we go to God in prayer and watch for his answers to us and trust that even if they're different than what we may want or feel we need, God knows best and only wants and gives the best for us. As we realize that as servants to our Lord and our God, Jesus Christ, we are to be in total dependence on the God we serve. Then we will go to him in prayer for everything, seeking his will, guidance, strength, comfort, and even his correction if our lives have strayed from him. Speak with God often in prayer about everything. Know God as he is and as he tells us he is in his word. Know who God has been throughout all of history. And remember all God has done for you in your own history with him. Value God above all else in your life. And know who we are in relation to God. We are servants to a Lord, a Lord we can totally trust and depend on for all we are, all we have all we do, and all we will be. And lastly, trust that God is near to us as we pray and our needs will be met in God's perfect time. Thanks for joining us. And until next time, praise God and God bless.